Tenny's Pizza is our loyal and primary sponsor. I want you guys, if you're in the Utah County and Salt Lake City area, to go out and pick up some Tenny's Pizza. I actually had Tenny's Pizza tonight with the family. It's affordable. It's delicious. They use high-quality ingredients, real cheese. The sauce is Kevin's recipe. The dough is Kevin's recipe. I mean, this is like, it's as homegrown as you get. It's local. Um, All our kids' friends work at the Saratoga Springs one. It's this awesome organization that I'm really, really happy to support. And they've done us a solid by helping us out each week and sponsoring the podcast. And we just can't be more grateful. So please go support them if you get a chance and you're in the Utah County, Salt Lake area. Just go get some Tenny's Pizza. Use the code PODCAST in uh, the Tenny's Pizza app, and you will get a specialty pizza for the price of a regular, which is a fantastic deal. Be sure to check that out. This week on the podcast, we do something a little different. We kind of mix it up. We talk about our own stuff, our own faith and religion and spiritual journey that we're on. We get into many different topics. Kevin and Brindy... Um, Bethany's husband and my wife sit down with us and we talk about our spiritual journey and the faith crisis that we have gone through and are going through and what that's like for us. We have a lot of people who've reached out and said, what, what's, what's that like for you? Because we talked about faith quite a bit and religion and what that's like in spirituality and we get into all that. It's really cool. I'm excited for you guys to hear it. So please enjoy another fantastic episode of the Finding Strength Podcast. <laughs> Ready to do this? Let's do it. Because we're already recording. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> What's up, Fighting Strength people? How's it going? <laughs> I was like, is he serious? I can't even Did tell. Did not expect yes. that. Yes. <laughs> they weren't ready. I just started the recorder and didn't tell anybody. It's very I exciting. I think that's perfect. Okay. Right. Yeah, let's do this. The fire. We're, um, going. we're here today. We're, we've been recording for 23 seconds. Awesome. So they all got to hear the 26 spazzes of 20. <laughs> Yeah, what? You are on one tonight. I'm excited. <laughs> Guys, I'm just excited. So we have our spouses here to join us tonight. Spouses. I got Mr. Kevin Tenney and we got Brindy Quackenbush joining hey. in. Hey. <laughs> we are going to talk about tonight. What did we talk? Oh, last week was a crapshoot. Sorry. It, between oh, life, yeah. craziness, Matt has been working his... But yes. off. <laughs> my butt, my booty. I'm like, it's still it's the beginning. Really we'll ease into it. His rear we, end. There his just rear literally end. was not a moment for us to record. No. So last we're week was crazy. I apologize. And I even was like, okay. I was like, I'll send out like an old episode and like a read. I didn't do anything. So we're good. you guys are all fiending for a new episode. So get ready. So yeah. I mean, Brace your ear holes. It's just happening. I think this week that we felt inspired to do the subject we're going to do because of Annie Law. It's true. Annie Law's Truth. podcast has been our fastest growing podcast numbers wise of yeah, any right. of them. Like it has blown up. And I think the reason why is because she definitely dropped a lot of realists like mm-hmm. out there stuff. That's not easy to talk about. And yeah. things that a lot of people relate with. 
there's multiple things in her life that I'm sure there's a lot of people out there going through it. Well, One and it has which, a really good title. Lies, deceit, and religion. I that's mean, like titillating a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, what's this going to be about? That, that was the title we came up with, what, at like 11 o'clock at <laughs> night when you called? And we're but like, what should we call this? For real? <laughs> like, yeah. So in the last week and a half, we'd have, we've had like almost 1,000 downloads, listens. Her, like, she's already 600. I mean, it's pretty crazy. It's really cool. So we just really appreciate the feedback from everybody because I actually have had several people reach out since then asking to be on the podcast which has been super cool that's awesome um and kind of be able to tell their story about what their life is like now and 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 both of the people that reached out were well and others as well were people who have kind of had this faith crisis thing which is something it's kind of like a newer phrase is kind of what i'm finding out the faith crisis isn't really like it's like a a phrase that's been coined, I guess, a term that we've Well, I don't think created. I'd heard about it, about it till what, in the last two years? No, beca- because... I, know it, I didn't know what it was called. Well, if you think about those two words, they don't... They, they seem like, you know, uh, an oxymoron, a faith crisis. Like, when do you, you have faith? Why does it have to be a crisis? Yeah. And I think, that's, I think that's the thing. Like, for me, like, why does it... Why is there a crisis? I mean, some people, you can just change how you think. Yeah. Why is it that you, you have to think one way your whole life? You think that. You think, right? why is this a crisis until it happens to you? And then it's like, oh, like this is traumatic. Your whole whole way of thinking, your whole way of being changed. Because you have this culture, you have this lifestyle, you have all this stuff. And then all of a sudden it's like, I'm going to change it all up completely. Mm-hmm. Social circles. Family. Family. Friends, work. Sometimes jobs. Work. I mean. Yeah. It's traum- it's traumatic. It is traumatic. And I think that's the reason why we want to talk about this today is because we want, for one, for people to recognize that it is traumatic. Like this isn't taken lightly. It's not a small thing. It is a life-changing experience. And then for two, just like we've done with everything else, like we want to kind of try to help walk people through this so that way it doesn't have to be as awful as it maybe has been for some, like for us, it was awful. And I don't want people to have the same experience. I'd like it to be a smoother transition. Well, even with us, you say ours was awful. I look at what we went through and where we're at now. And it's like, I feel we have it way better off than so many people. We went through the same faith crisis together and came out the other end thinking very similar to each other, where a lot of people, they don't have that. They don't have someone that's on board with them. And there's so many people we know where it affects their relationship deeply because if they felt like they, they let their spouse know what they think they would no longer be married. I mean, there's multiple people like that and it's really, it's sad, honestly. So I, yeah, this is one of those subjects where going into it, we're like, okay, how do we approach this? Because it's so important, but the reality is so many people don't want to talk about it, but they do want to talk about it at the same time, if that makes yeah. sense. So just to start, um, a faith crisis, kind of what we're talking about, is leaving a religion that you grew up in, right? It doesn't have to be... Ours, for instance, it was Mormonism, but it doesn't have to be that. There's, so, it's We have learned, especially talking to so many other people from other religions, it is a very similar experience when they leave or separate themselves somehow from that religion that they grew up in, that their family is a part of, that their ancestors are a part of. Yeah. Well, and, and, and I think it's unique to religions that are, 
labor intensive, if you will. Right. Like many, there's different, fa- like many religions, especially like within Christianity, you show up on Sunday, you do your thing, you like, uh, a Aren't practicing. They, there's a lot of religions that yeah. are like, you show up when you want to show up. Right. right. Show up twice a year, you're good. Yeah. And, and that's, that's not a big deal to leave. <laughs> no. Right. And so, but it's, it's when you're dedicated to something and you are, and it doesn't really matter if it's a religion or a faith or a practice. It, it could be anything, right? Like even a jo- one of the most traumatic things that happened to me in my in my recent years was was losing my job. It was terrible, right? And it's this thing you have this belief system, this thing that you're believing is going to be yours for a long period of time, and then something happens and you realize, wait, this doesn't work anymore. I've got to move on from this, whether I want to or not. Losing a job is very similar. There, there's other things. I mean, uh, what did um, you guys had a similar experience? And uh, your brother, what he said, he said that for you guys, it was similar to what like when he like what Lane said about coming out, right? Oh yeah, my little brother. When we were going through everything, when we were, because it's it's not a quick decision. It's not one day you're in and the next day you're out. It is years of okay. What do we think? How do we feel? How do we deal with this? And you keep moving forward, moving forward. And then once you finally decide to start telling people, because it is such a huge part of your life and you almost feel like you're lying to people by not telling them. And so once you start telling them, you, a lot of time for us, you get ridiculed. You get told you're wrong. You're bad. You're, I mean, we got told we have no morals. We don't have any standards. We don't all these things because we're leaving this religion when the reality was so different. So my, my brother who came out as gay, he said to me, he said, you're, you coming out of the church feels so much like it did when I told everyone I was gay. It's, I got such similar responses, which to me is crazy, but it just shows that that's how we react. I think when we're fearful or we're, we don't understand, or I don't know, a lot of things of, you just don't maybe a little ignorant on why it's happening. So I, my biggest thing I want to get across to people is like I said, we were hurt by a lot of things that were said to us or how we were treated by some people. But I would say a lot of our reactions were not great and how we reacted back to those. What do you, yeah. Like, what do you, what do you mean? Um, like initially when we just, you know, we're going through this for one, it was really hard because no one, no one asked us, no one wanted to know. So you felt alone. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I I think it'd be better even if we kind of just gave a little background to this a little bit, just that way people understand because we're kind of going a little bit in circles on kind of what we're trying to say. Um, so for instance, with us, whenever you know, faith crisis, anything big in life that was so important to you and that changes, you feel like you need to tell someone that you love about that because you're hurt. You want to be able to express that. So for me, I actually had a friend that I worked with and I came to him and, you know, for us, it was mostly about things that we didn't know about the church that we ended up finding out about and it, it hurt. And then we kept on looking into more and more things and it hurt. And I wanted to tell someone because I just had to get it off my chest. And so I had this friend, I end up telling him everything about everything, which I've learned is not the right way to go about it because 
people Un- just unloaded. I just unloaded <laughs> fire hose. Well, yeah, fire. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And he seemed like he was okay when I told him about it. But then was he Mormon too? Yeah, yes. he was. Okay. Yeah, and and he was just newly converted. Active. Yeah, he okay. he'd been Mormon his whole life. But anyway, yeah, uh, he ended up um, telling people about me not being Mormon anymore or not believing. But he didn't tell me that he was telling people. He just said things behind my back where I wasn't ready for people to know about that yet. And this person that was like a best friend to me ended up. Well, he said it. The things he said came across very negative. As for well. sure. And, it, you know, and so it just completely destroyed that friendship. Mm-hmm. And then so that was my first experience. And then the experience after that, I tried to tell them and they said, don't tell me anything that's going to hurt my testimony of this church. And I'm like oh my gosh, these are supposed to be my favorite people and... We can't talk. We can't talk about this. No one wants to hear why I hurt. But like you said, when you asked, what would you say you did something that you didn't, you wish you hadn't done? I would say the unloading on people. That's a lot for people to handle and sometimes it needs to be a more gradual, more of a conversation than listen and let me tell you everything. It's like, let's have a conversation. Let me tell you a couple of things and let's go through them together. This is why I'm struggling. Well, and, and, yeah, and I think, I think what I'm hearing you kind of talk about, Kevin, is you opened up to somebody. You were vulnerable, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like a principle of just life, right? You mm-hmm. get vulnerable with somebody. And what you want to hear on the other end is you want to hear empathy. You want to hear somebody validate your feelings because what were you feeling? I felt alone. Alone, yeah, right? The very for thing, sure. Yeah, alone. Scared because this is a a dramatic shift in the way that you view the world. It's not just this little small thing. The, th- the reason why the word crisis is in there is because I'm changing how I see everything. Because the lens through which I have viewed the world up until now was the lens of my... Re- really, the lens that we use is the lens that we get in our immediate families, whether that's a religious lens or another lens, it doesn't matter. There's actually these... When, when you start to study shame and really get deeply into understanding what shame does to people is there's these institutionalized forms of shaming that we have as a society that perpetuate on their own. The, all of those are taken, and, and it could be religion, it could be societal, it could be cultural, it could be government, it could be school, and what happens is a family of origin takes that belief system and that's what it teaches its family members. And if you leave that, whether it's a religion or what else, like there's people that feel this way about their family was Republican the entire time and then they became a Democrat or vice versa, right? Mm -hmm. It's this dramatic shift in the way that you view the world. And when you open up to somebody saying, I'm thinking differently and you get vulnerable with somebody and they look back at you and instead of answering with empathy and validation, they judge you, that's when their problems happen. Well, and it's hard because their whole life, they've been taught that you stick up for that. You don't, it's almost like you're not even listening. You're, you're thinking of how can I reply to this person to shut them down because I'm taught that what you're saying is wrong and you can't think too, you know, it's cognitive right. dissonance, which means you yeah. can't believe two things that are opposite of each other. So when a lot of times when people say, oh, I just had this really dark feeling about what you're saying. Well, yeah, because how are you going to feel good about something that is totally opposite of what you've been taught your whole entire life? That's just mm-hmm. something everyone has. And some people look at it as, 
oh, that, that bad feeling, that means you're wrong. That's not true. It just means you're uncomfortable because what I'm saying to you is opposite of what you believe. And you can't hold both of them mm-hmm. as truth. It's, right. it's impossible. And, and the, the alternative to that is this concept of, of what's called the dialectic which basically, there's actually an entire therapeutic modality called dialectical behavioral therapy on this very top, on this very idea where two seemingly opposing things can both be true. I can be scared and brave at the same time. Yeah. I can be, I can be um, showing faith and questioning my faith at the same time. Both of those things can be true. They are not mutually exclusive, right? Like it's not necessarily this idea where things are dissonant, where they have to be opposing. Part of the problem is many many of the religious, cultural, societal organizations that we grow, grow up in now grow up in nowadays. The dogmatic view is that things are opposites and polarized opposites, and that there is a good and a bad, a right and a wrong, right and wrong. And and, and this is a moral argument that many people are going to have qualms with, right? Like there is a right thing and a wrong thing. When you take a step back from that and begin to understand, well, maybe it's not so much about whether it's right or wrong and more about whether it's effective and whether it lands within my value set, then things start to change. And so for me personally, what happened was I started looking at my faith and what I started believing and I started to take a step back from it and realize that many of the things that were being taught, not just in Sunday school or by different people, it was religious leaders. It was organizational things. It was from the pulpit, things being said uh, that that I just fundamentally didn't agree with on a very, very personal level because it didn't land within my value set. And I think the people have a hard time understanding that it's about your own individualized values. It's not about this dogmatic of right, wrong, what I believe is, is the best, what you believe is not the best. I mean, look at any war in the history of the world. What's the beginning of that war? Any war. All of them, it's women, right? Just kidding. It's a good thing no, we're not, no, I'm, I'm not saying it's. Be, I'm not saying it's yeah. the women. It's yeah. the guys want it's the women. The women. Guys, <laughs> well, it's these men who come in with these charged belief systems mm-hmm. of I'm right, you're wrong, I'm big, you're small, and I will show you why I'm right, and it ends up turning into violence, right? And at the center of many of these belief wars is religion. Case in point, why the hell are we in the Middle East right now? Because they don't believe the way we believe. I know people think that it's for a different reason, but that is the reason we are there. There's a reason why the <laughs> the the faith crisis that that we are going through as a nation right now is whether or not we want to continue believing the way that we believe and whether or not we want to continue forcing that down the throats of the people around us and that's that's well, it's true there's fights every day if you yeah. think i mean we've had the taking um god out of the constitution right, right. like yeah. that's been a huge thing yeah yeah because not everyone believes it the craziest part to me is how america started was religious freedom. Exactly. So to, I think a lot of people think, well, religious freedom means you get to choose what religion. Well, that also means I get to choose not to have a religion. And a lot of people struggle with that. Like I, I can't even tell you how many people ask me regularly when they find out I left my religion 
that I grew up with. Well, what are you now? Nothing. Well, do you believe in God? I don't know. Well, do you believe in Jesus? I don't know. And that for people is, oh, it is like, it's like quiet. Everyone, they look at me like, well, if you don't, it's the right, right or wrong. Well, if you don't believe in this, then that means you're this. If you don't. Well, here's the thing. When you said, I don't know, I don't, I almost don't like that answer. That makes it seem like you're not really educated on what you think. When you say, I don't know, it, what you've been taught your whole life doesn't support and like logic for me, it's like, do I believe in God? I don't know. Right. Which is something that religion has the hardest time saying is I don't know. It's like they love to say I know. Yeah, the definition of faith is not knowing something right. weird. Yes. But, I mean, for me, it's like what I do know is the things that go on on earth, right? It would be It's just hard for me to justify the God that I grew up with my whole entire life. It, it doesn't match up for me. So do I believe in the God that I grew up with? No, I don't believe in that God. But maybe I just redefine what the word God means to me. So it's like I have hope that there's a God, Mm -hmm. but it's not the same hope in the God that I used to believe in. Because the God that I used to believe in, it just doesn't make any sense to me anymore. Like we, we, some of you may be familiar with Sam Harris and, you know, he's kind of like uh, an atheist basically where he does not believe in a God. And I've listened to a few of his things and they, they make a lot of sense where it's like he has a thing where obviously we lost a child that was four years old and he has a thing where it says, you know, 8 million children under the age of five, the age of five die every single year. And he says, God is either one of two things, he either is incapable of helping these people or he he's is evil. He's evil, right? There's not really much in between. And as a father that's lost it, he's like, you know, you have these parents that are, are praying for their children to, to live, which, I mean, we were going through this faith crisis when Brighty passed away. I didn't know what to do. I didn't believe in prayer, but you know what? I prayed because I did not know what else to do. No clue, right? But it, it, what he said to me just made so much sense where, but I took it as, the definition of God, what he's saying, is like my old version of God. My new version of God is not that. But that doesn't mean I don't believe in a God. I hope so. There is. I love, um, I listen to Tony Robbins and he talks about in one of his podcasts, he, he talks about how there's so much argument, so much fighting over God and the definition of God, right? Like there literally are wars over, over it. Well, if all of us just believe that God is love, and that's how I define it now. Yeah, replace the word God with replace love. Replace the word God with love. And we all agree. We are all on the same page. There's no more fighting. There's no more arguing. The rest doesn't matter. Like, that's that's how I feel now. But there, that's definitely a tough thing. And people want, everyone wants to define it so intricate, intricately of, you know, it's a man and he does this and this is how he deals with things and he blesses you if you're good and he curses you if you're bad. And, you know, there's a lot of different scriptures and whatever, but if we can just take a step back and say, our purpose here is to love, to find love, to give love. To me, that that's, that's all all we need. Why does the rest matter? The problem is it does matter. Mm -hmm. It does matter to a lot of people. And so that's what I think we're trying to, bridge the gap. So 
I think I think we've talked about the six basic human need the six human needs on the podcast before. I think so. I don't it, remember which episode. It's so it's worth it's worth reviewing again because it's it's so fundamental to why people do certain things. So basically there's six human needs from the bottom up. So the most basic fundamental human need is certainty. Up from that significance, up from that uncertainty, up from that love and connection, up from that signif- or up from that is um, contribution and up from that is growth. So again, from the bottom. When you say up from that, what is that? What do you mean by that? The very basic bottom level. So the if you were to number the needs. first thing that you need, is that what so you're saying? The, yes. I the number one thing that I want for me, my basic, most basic, fundamental, simple human need that I want as a infant child is significance. And I or certainty. certainty, excuse me, certainty. And so that's basically need number six at the very, very bottom. Yet it's the primary need that we have. Above that is significance. So you think about every single thing that I do on the face of the planet, no matter what it is, any human being at any given time is going to do something based in these two in human needs. And it's going to meet two, always two. Can meet more, but for sure two. The thing about religion is it meets the two most basic needs almost perfectly, so it would seem, because it brings people certainty and significance. Because I know for sure that the way that I think is the right way because that's what they're telling me is right. And so I get all this personalized validation that sounds really fantastic because I get to look around and see people that look like me and sound like me and think like me say things that sound like me. And I feel really good. I almost feel significant. (laughs) And that's what religion has capitalized on with people for millennia. Century. I mean, this is this is a tale as old as time. And so when you look at it from a, a fundamentalist point of view, if we're just meeting those two basic needs with religion, it doesn't serve any purpose. The point being of faith, right, of believing in something greater than ourselves, that is God, that is love, is that now we start to enter into these higher needs where I all, of a, all of a sudden enter in uncertainty. I don't know if this thing exists. Enter in love and connection. I can now connect with human beings because I'm beginning to question, maybe I don't have all the answers. Let's connect with other people and begin to find some answers. And then the two highest needs, I look to contribute and give back to the world. I look to grow myself and become a better version of myself. That is what hopefully religion is about. That is what hopefully faith is about. But if it's not about those things for you, if it's just about those two most fundamental needs, it's missing the boat. And so when people come at you or come at me and say, well, you're not going to the Mormon church anymore. There's something wrong with you. You got to have answers to these questions. They're just acting out of the two most basic human needs, certainty and significance, which I'm hoping that I can grow past and leave behind. Because to me, I'm hoping, and it's one of my core values, is I want to grow. I want to get better. I want to change. I want to understand more about the world. And... Being in the Mormon church, I felt stifled. I didn't feel like I could grow. I didn't feel like there was opportunity for that. And I think that's that was that was my thing. And other people feel like they can grow in the church. Sure. Or whatever church. But it's this individualized decision that requires us to abstain from judgment, in my opinion. Well, yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. I think that uh, when I look at religion, 
kind of exactly what you're saying. You know, if you live in Utah, the chances of you being Mormon is very significant. If you live somewhere else in the world, you know, if you're in India, it's what Islam is it not Islam? Uh, In India, no, it's Hindi. Hindu, Hindu. Hindu. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting how it religion, the demographics of you know where you live at in the world. Is geographically, to, yeah, geographically makes a huge difference. Huge difference. The yeah. other, the other huge difference is what were your parents? I was actually looking up some stats on this because I was very oh, yeah. intrigued by it. You know, in certain religions, have it to where when you grow up, what are the chances that you are your parents' religion? Um, I think in this this uh, study they did that was like in the early two thousands. Actually, I have it on my phone. I'll pull it up really quick. I found it. Crazy. It was crazy showing how, uh, here it is. So, you know, if you're Protestant, you have a 90% chance of being Protestant when you grow up, if your parents were Protestant, you know, and then other ones, uh, Jewish, 86% chance. Then it goes down Mormonism, 91% chance. You know, some of the other ones, uh, you know, Methodist 63%. So you have these factors, right? So you have your parents, you have your environment, you have your friends, all these different things. And I think we started to look at it and I feel like we were, we had enough of a foundation other places to where it allowed us to be able to step step back and say, is this the truth? That's all I cared about. To me, it was either true to me or was not true to me. And with just the type of people that we are, we're not going to do something if we don't, if if we don't believe it, you know, that just, that's not us. And some people, they're okay with it. They're okay with just being, okay, I don't believe in this, but it's easy. It's a lot easier to just stay in and or not have bring, a hard time. Maybe it brings us some friends. sort of happiness or I, I think the hardest sure. part um, when you were talking about significance and all those things and um, certainty I would say that was the hardest thing for me to leave was certainty. Yeah, because you don't have it. I, I grew up. This is how you do things. This is your life. Here's the steps. Follow these steps. And then when you die, you will go to heaven, not just any heaven, Mormon heaven. And this is where it goes. And it's levels and it's all, the, all these blessings and so many different things. And it was so, I was so sure that that was, I had it all planned out. As soon as I, my belief changed, all of that certainty went away. Well, then I had to figure out for me, what do I really think? What do I really believe? And guess what? It may not be the same as even my husband who has also left with me because my feelings, my spirituality, my personal experiences are going to be different. Your and chemistry of your body, the way that your brain the handles way your information, brain works. all of it. And, but that's, I think that's the thing I would really think people need to understand because there was more, multiple times as we were leaving that we were told we were choosing the easy way, which oh. is the easier way to leave the church mm-hmm. because, um, we wanted to sin. We wanted to, you know, not dress the same way. We didn't want to go to church on Sundays. That's a lot of work, all those things. And the reality was while we were trying to stay and work through it, that was easier than it was when we left. We had no idea the type of heartbreak it would cause us, the heartbreak it would cause our families, 
the backlash we would get from our families. And that caused a lot of trauma that, and a lot of words were said and a lot of hurtful things that we've talked about this. I don't know how many times on here that you can't take it back. You know, yes, you can move forward, but you can't always take back the things you say. So if we can kind of fix some of those things and thoughts, then maybe we save some other families from not going through these things that they say that can are so hurtful that can damage a relationship forever. Before before you go there, because you said something that I feel like a lot of people say is where if you don't believe, then that means everything is worse. And I remember talking to our cousin who has left the church as well. And he's like, you know, I don't know why it is, but like if you're in religion and you have this belief system and you no longer believe in that anymore, that means that everything has to be worse. He's like, why can't it be better? That was like so profound to me where I was like, it's so true. It's like, I look back at it now and it's like what I told, what I was told was heaven would not have been something that, you know, heaven to me is something that I would love to be in, in like this great place. Well, the heaven that was described to me kind of would have been my hell, you know, like, honestly, Mm -hmm. like a lot of the things that I thought were there is nothing that I like to do in my life at all. So I don't know. I, I felt like I had to say that because I feel like people think that like, if you think differently, that means everything is lost and that's not true. It could be better. I mean, a belief is just like a hope, right? So you're hoping for one thing. Well, let's up the ante, and I hope that it's better than what I ever thought my whole entire life. Yeah. I mean, again, this is true politically for people as well. I mean, there are people who are as passionate about religion as they are about politics. I mean, you... The world is as divisive as it is right now. In well, the world, I should say, our nation is as divisive as it is right now, because we have this line drawn in sand, seemingly, uh, and and you fall to one side or the other. And if you decide to cross that line or extend your hand across the aisle, you are shamed for it, and you can't do it anymore. And you have to, quote unquote, play to your base, and you have to. And, and this is this is what we've adopted as as a society in our country, where we want so much to just reinforce the ideas that we think are true, that the evidence that we find is the evidence we're looking for. True. Sure. Mm-hmm. I have these this lens on where I'm looking for evidence to prove me right, and I'm never willing to take off my lenses, or my goggles, or whatever, and be willing to open myself up to the possibility that maybe I don't have all the answers unless maybe, I don't know, you like live for growth instead of certainty. <laughs> well, you know, right? it's interesting you say that. Cause when recently when I was having a discussion with one of my sisters, she said to me, cause I was explaining some frustrations that I've had with the church and some of the, some of my issues. Cause she finally asked and it's been years. And, um, you know, I told her, I said, well, I, then some is just some negative things that I've had. And she said, well, you look to the church and you're looking for the negative. You're, you're looking to find all that's wrong with it. And I said, yeah. And you will look at the same things that I can see as negative and think they're wonderful. So it, it's tough. It is a mm-hmm. tough thing. And mm-hmm. I remember saying, I'm like, I told her, I said, I feel like you judge me 
for leaving and judge me because you think you're right. And she's like, well, yeah, don't, aren't you judging me? And I saw, I sat there and I was like, yeah, I am. And that's what's wrong. And I, I feel the exact same way with politics. Mm-hmm. Why, why, why can't we both it's be dogmatic. right? Yeah. Why can't, you know, let's use politics for an example a Republican or Democrat. Why is one right and one wrong? Mm-hmm. One might benefit me more because of my place of work or the way I do things, but that doesn't mean you're wrong. That just means that mm-hmm. they benefit you in your place of work. and Or they fit with what your belief system is. But exactly. I just, I wish it wasn't really right it or wrong yeah. because I just don't think that anymore. And I'm tr- it's something I'm working on is trying to find some good in things. Yeah. That's why I love that idea of effectiveness. Like what is effective for me? Yeah. And like, if I, if I know my values, like what matters to me as a human being and what makes me f- fulfilled, right? Like that's, that's what we want. Like what, what is the thing that we all want? And you go to church. Why do you go to church? You go to do this. Why do you do this? You go to your Republican. Why? Because you want to be happy. People well, want to be fulfilled. That's what they want. Brene Brown in every book talks about true yeah. belonging. We, Everybody want wants to find true belonging. That's what you want. What is, so explain, because I listened, I, I'm not a big Brene Brown listener. You know, I mean, I, he's not as obsessed I'm as not, we are. It's fine. But, okay. but like, me? yeah, we, we were driving in the car and you had, the, I had a podcast, the book, yeah, her the, book on. Her book on. And I'm just like, I listened for like 15 minutes and I was like, can she slow down? Because like every line right? that she's dropping well, she, is just like, she drops a bomb every five uh, seconds. Oh, it's just like unbelievable. Drop. Drop. It's but, unbelievable. but what she talks about and what you guys are referring to is fit. She says either fitting in or belonging. And the hard part is when you go through a faith crisis and you have, you know, with our families, we all grew up the same religion. And then all of a sudden you don't, believe in that anymore but you still have to go around these people and you want to you want because you love them right you feel like you're fitting in because they want you to be this certain way because this is the way this is the right you know and it just creates this huge divide and as much as they don't want you to feel that way you feel it and they feel it too you know and it is so hard to deal with you know because it changes your whole relationship where certain things that used to be a big deal now aren't a big deal, but you can't talk about them because now I'm trying to be offensive. You know, I'm trying to hurt my family's feelings by talking about this. And it's like, no, my best friends are people that I can share my life with. Everything that I have to start holding back makes it to where I do not want to be around you as much as someone else that I can just be me. Mm -hmm. And if I have to do that, that means I'm trying to fit in and I don't fit in anymore in life. I go to places where I belong because that is where I find joy. I don't find joy in places where I have to fit in. I'm too old for that bullshit. Okay. So that's the question though, Mr. Therapist, because family is important as much as it's hard and they will, it's been a challenge for us it's still important. You still love them. That doesn't change. Mm-hmm. How do you get to a point or what are some steps you, people can take? So that way if there's not such a divide within families. Okay. Well, can I add one thing? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Brittany's got something to say. Yes. <laughs> no. Cause I agree definitely with Bethany, what she says, how it's hard for you guys, but I think it's also hard 
on your other side of the family. No, I agree 100%. Oh. You know, like, okay, they're coming over. What do we talk about? How do we act? Like, we don't want them to feel uncomfortable because we want them to come back. But then it's like... Everyone's walking everyone's on eggshells. Everyone's walking on eggshells, and you can feel that. And so it's like... Well... On both sides. So you know? so here's the thing that I've noticed that with, with humans in general, right? The people that you are around, you will figure out what do I have in common with this person, yes. right? Yep. So when you have a family that... One of the biggest things that you can all agree on is religion, typically, if you're all of the same faith. So your whole life you've been talking about this thing, and you take out that key component of just one of the members, and then everyone else knows that you're not comfortable with it. It is a weird thing. No one knows what to talk about. No one knows what to talk about. And it's like, I don't even know. I don't don't know how you get past that where... So, so, okay... uh, Brene Brown, she's got the answers all. No, she she turned me on to this really awesome quote. If you guys read Braving the Wilderness, which is one of, I mean, she's got some fantastic stuff. But Brave, Braving the Wilderness is about this idea of fitting in and belonging, and finding true belonging within rather than without. She starts the book with this quote. It's by uh, the late Maya Angelou who's this beautiful, wonderful poet who's an amazing human being. If you don't know Maya Angelou, if you've ever listened to Oprah. She oh. worships my angel. Yeah, that's like her pseudo-mother. She is, and yeah. she's amazing. Her book, I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings, chronicles her life as a child. Uh, she grew up in the 50s as a black woman who was really big, and she was raped and abused and molested. And it, her story is unbelievably phenomenal. And so what she had to do is she went through this, talk about a crisis, right? This personal crisis of finding out who she was. And early on in her life, um, she, she decided that she was going to stay true to her and who she was. And so she was asked uh, a question one time, and, and she answered by saying, you are only free when you realize you belong no place. You belong every place. No place at all. The price is high. The reward is great. I love that she says it in it. multiple of her books. It's and beautiful. And, and if you if you break that down... You Say are, that one more time. Yeah, I'll, I'll break it down. Okay. You are only free when you realize you belong no place. You belong every place. No place at all. The price is high. The reward is great. I don't need a congregation. I don't need a home. I don't need a people. I don't need these things. These things enhance my life's experience. But for me to belong, the only thing I need is my heart and to be. To be true to you. And I know who I am because I've done the work and I've listened. And that's all it takes. So when I go home or when I go find myself, I don't have to go far because I'm just there no matter where I am. And it's a process and it's a practice and I'm, I'm not perfect at it, right? And I'm not really speaking for myself as much as... My Angela was able to find that. And so I think that the reason why families in general have, have a hard time or, or, I don't know, groups of human beings have a hard time is because of this idea that you, t- you brought up of fitting in. Yeah. Where if, if I'm just trying to fit somewhere, I'm not going to be me. I'm going to morph. I'm going to be a chameleon. I'm going to show up how I think people want me to show up. And then when they like me, my inner monologue is... They don't really like me for me if they only knew. When in reality, if I showed up as me and they don't like me, that's their deal. 
And if I show up as me and they like me, I get to connect authentically. And so that's this process that is very, very um, difficult, yet very, very simple. And it's just this honest work of just understanding like what, what, what is, what brings me meaning? What brings me purpose? What brings me love? I I love it. I mean, what you're saying, I felt like in 2018 for me was my biggest like personal growth year. And I, I said this comment to you and I think in life you kind of go through, you know, hills and valley, you know, and I was at a high where I just said, you know, I'm to a place right now. And again, maybe I'm not as high up on the mountain as what I was at that moment. I just said, I, I don't need other people's opinions of me to be able to where I know what I am. It, your opinion, whether it be good or bad of me, I know what I am. And that for me was like the most empowering thing because your whole life, again, you're, you're just looking for people to love you. And when you can look at yourself and know like, I am a good person, I love people. I try to do what I think is right. And just because you don't agree with it, that doesn't mean I'm wrong. And I'm okay with that. And that's why I love you guys talk about your individuality, like finding your core values. You guys talk about that all the time on here. And I love that because it's an individual thing. Like your belief, my belief, like all of us are individually on our own little journeys and what is good for me. Not my mom doesn't need to worry about what's good for me. I need to worry about what's good for me. You know, like Matt needs to worry about what his core, our beliefs, I would say are different. Like our values are not the same, but I respect his and he respects mine. And I think that's what people need to start doing. Well, can they do that? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, seriously, like as a, as a child, I, I can't even imagine like, my love for my child depends on if they agree with me. Yes. Like yeah. that, it, it just blows my mind. But that is a mentality oh. of my parents' generation, you know, where it's like, this is the way, this is how we, it is, mm-hmm. this is the way we do it, and this is, this is our way. And I'm like, so what if it's not my way? It, and it doesn't matter a lot to, to some people. You so know? something I will say too that I, another thing I would say where I, personally went wrong in how I handled things and something Brene Brown says in a book because I read her books literally every day you guys so you wonder why I'm always like quoting her it's because she's always in my mind she's like my yeah but she talks about how if you walk into a room and you think that nobody likes you then guess what nobody likes you (laughs) but if you walk in and you believe in yourself and I don't remember exact words but that's what it is you walk in and you believe in yourself and everyone loves you guess what everyone loves you it is literally all in your head. And for me, I when I left the church, I would walk into a room of Mormons, of family, of you know different groups, and I immediately thought, they're judging me. They're looking at me, and they're thinking, oh, poor Bethany. She doesn't have the light in her, because that's what I'd heard my whole life. She, oh, She's going to learn. She's going to have... Just all these things I thought they were judging me for, judging me for how I dressed now, judging me for how I talked now, judging me for what my kids were going through. You have a tattoo. Judging me for (laughs) tattoos, judging me for all these things. And the reality is that, and this is what I'm getting better at, I have not mastered this, that doesn't matter. It does. if, If I walk into that room and I think they all think that of me, then they do. 
it doesn't matter if they do or not, because in my mind, it's already happened. It happened, yeah. You made up your story. Yes. Yeah. So it's it has to be when I walk into a room or when I go anywhere, I know me. Yep. I know how I am and I know how who I am and what they think doesn't matter. And you know what? Most of the time, they probably aren't thinking anything. Because like I've noticed in multiple settings of my life is most people are too worried about themselves (laughs) to worry about what I'm doing Mm -hmm. because we do, we have so much on our mind and on our own plate. We can't focus on someone else. And that's not to be that you're selfish. We're just overwhelmed with our own lives and that's, that's okay. That's fine. We need to worry about ourselves and our own families. Yeah. So I think sometimes when we're going through these crises, when we're going through it's, we need to stop assuming that everyone's thinking bad of you because then what it does is it turns me around and I think bad of them that, Oh, they're so awful. They're judging me. Well, I'm kind of doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming. So, so again, I think we're trying to play both sides here because you know, we've been all in and we've been out and I, I really try to stay balanced and trying to understand where people are coming from. Um, so let's, let's talk about some of these things of what people can do to help with, with this, right? And I would say the biggest thing, or one of the biggest things, is you notice relationships change off of the fact that, in reality, your your relationship changes because of what you think happens after we die, which is really dumb. I mean, it really is dumb. But the biggest problem is people will not ask you about it. If you're a friend of somebody... Why in the world would you not want to help that friend? I, I just don't understand that. You know, like, are you so insecure inside to where you can't hear your friend suffer? I mean, literally, we have lost a child and had this faith crisis. It was at the same time, basically. And they're very different from each other. But the pain level, honestly, for me, was very similar. Like, they're different pains. One is a pain of, it's, well, it's indescribable. You, you it's grieve. It's grief. You yeah. grieve well, both of them. Well, with a trauma and with any trauma, don't you go through like five stages of like mm-hmm. anger, sadness, and then finally acceptance like later, like, isn't that with any type of trauma? I mean, I, leaving, leaving a faith is traumatic. It is so traumatic. Is so, and I, think I had no idea that you people don't that, have no. any idea until you go through it for sure. And I think that, if we can get that across to people who are still very strong in their faith that we are hurting yeah. and that it's, it's, it's not easy and we're not like shoving it in your face. It's, it's hard and we're hurting. And if you're a friend in our family, why wouldn't you want to be there to like hold our hand? For sure. I, um, yeah. And so I would say the biggest thing is, is just talking. Mm-hmm. Just, you don't have to agree but you do have to listen. It's like me and Bethany got to the point and maybe this is just me and I'm just like, this is how I am. I remember one, one night, you know, my family hadn't talked to me about it and I sat there and I, I don't know what happened. I got like this adrenaline rush and I text my mom and I said, I'm coming over right now. And I just went over and I said, you aren't going to ask me about this. I'm sick and tired of being looked at as someone that's crazy because 
that's what I thought my whole life was. If you don't believe in this, it's because you're crazy and you have these crazy notions. And I'm like, I just need to be heard. I want you to understand what I'm going through because I feel like you don't even... you don't even know. You don't even know why I feel the way I do. And that that hurts me. And then we went to our siblings because they didn't ask us. At least I went to mine because I'm like, I don't need you to necessarily agree with me. I just need you to hear me. And at that point, if you hear me and you cannot have compassion for me, then I don't need you in my life. If you can't show me that like I am going through pain, And all I need you to do is just understand me. You don't have to leave too. I just need you to understand that this is hard for me and that you'll be here for me. And it doesn't matter if we agree on this one aspect of life because I really hope our relationship hasn't been based on that this whole time because it hasn't, Mm -hmm. right? So, And some of them have. Some relationships are and you you figure that out and it's hard. Well, and some, I think the idea behind this for, and I'll speak for me personally, just being solid on that. I'm not in the Mormon church anymore was more to build relationships, not to tear them down. I I don't, I don't want to destroy my relationships. I felt like the old way of doing things was getting in the way of my relationships. And that, and that's a hard, that's a really hard thing for people to understand and I actually had a really, I, I was terrified to talk to my parents about this, like f- freaking terrified because I felt, I, I went back to me being a little kid and feeling like I was bad and I was wrong. And I think I thought that there was going to be um, a lot of judgment on, on the end of my parents. And I, and I had a really awesome conversation with my mom where I just opened up to her and we talked about it and had this heart to heart. And she was so understanding and and loving and accepting and and I I was blown away because I sensed that time where there was there was a period of time where I we were just kind of getting distant because I didn't want to talk to her about it and it was this awkward they knew we knew we didn't want to say anything and then it just happened and we're I, I text my mom more now than I have yeah, really. In, in years. I mean, I feel closer to my mom now than I have in a long time because finally, for me, I had put this barrier in the way. You made up a story in your head. Right. Yeah. I had put this barrier in the way that I had to find the answer to and so that I could stop looking for evidence that my story was true, that they wouldn't accept me if I'm not in the Mormon church anymore. And I went, I asked, and it was actually fine. And that was, that was just my own personal experience. Now, I've had other experiences with other people, other friends from the church and other members who I've known for a long time that definitely have judged and definitely have um, seen themselves out of my life very quickly. And it's freeing, quite honestly, because I can look at those people and be like, oh, yeah, you were that friend. You were that guy. That's, this this makes this easier now you know because what? I don't need you. And there is a, I, there's a hard because of where we live. You know, yes. we live where it's very it's very prominent Mormonism. Um, well, your ward are your neighbors. Yeah, Literally everyone knows a lot next. about you. Yes, yeah. I think something people don't quite understand is there are things that happen 
that people want to pretend aren't happening. Like um, having a child tell your child they can't come in your home because you don't go to church. That was hard for us. When my daughter comes and cries and because her little friend is saying things. Okay, that happens. Is that everybody in my neighborhood? No. And that's what I've had to kind of discuss with my kids. And it's been hard for me because immediately as a mom, I'm like, I hate this neighborhood. I hate these people. That's That's not fair because we have so many great people that live by us. For sure. And then we've had, you know, older kids who... There's certain people that won't really date them because we're not Mormon, not the same religion. Honestly, we're freaking awesome. (laughs) So (laughs) my kids are really awesome. And they're beautiful. And they are beautiful. But the fact of the matter is, we've had a lot of discussions with our kids where there's going to be good, there's going to be bad religion, no religion, politics, whatever. You're going to find that, and you know what? It's a real easy way to find the good people because those people, like you said. The ones who are judging you, the ones who will say these things to you openly to you, well, they're going to find their way quickly out of your life. It's an easy way. You don't know how to do anything. They just told you, I'm not going to be friends. Like, okay, on to the next yeah. one. Yeah. The good thing is that there's so many good people that that's, we just need to continue to look for those. And that's the beauty of belonging to you is the people who try to fit into your life can't because you don't fit in anymore because that's not the way you do it. Mm-hmm. And so the fitter inners. They can hang out together. They, they, they don't, they're, they're not in your life. I mean, that's sure. why, I feel like that's why our, our, I mean, our crew of people, we're like so connected because we belong together. Well, we know? like, this is what I would say. So do. one of, one of the best things for me about leaving my religion was when, when you have, again, this is just my opinion. I'm not saying this is everybody, but I would say my friendships and my marriage, honestly, because you had to live a certain way, and if you did certain things, you were looked at as less than. You were looked at as not as righteous. You were looked at as not as, you didn't have as strong of a testimony, right? So once I stripped that away, I honestly, I don't care what anyone else does, honestly. It's like, you want to do this? Cool. That doesn't matter to me because I don't look at that the same as I used to anymore. And whatever you do... That has nothing to do with me. How do you treat me? Are you a type of person that I want to surround myself with? So now it's like I have friendships where I could be going through anything in life and I can talk about it and not feel shame. I can talk about it and not be God-fearing. I can talk about things with my wife that... Lots of things with my wife (laughs) that, you know, things that um, before... I couldn't, and I feel like our marriage is, like, crazy awesome. Like, <laughs> it is. But going one more thing I, I wanted to say is, in the very beginning, I was talking about this friend that I unloaded. He was, like, one of my best friends. True story, like, a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. I mean, this has been over three years, so, like, three, three and a half years ago. Uh, almost four years ago. Yeah, that I talked to him, and we we're not friends anymore for the long time. And he showed up at my work and was just chit chatting with me. And he just said, you know what? I just want to apologize. And I want to tell you how sorry I am for the way that I acted. And you were my best friend that I've ever had. And before and after that point, and 
I just hate how I reacted with it. And I just wanted to say, I'm sorry. I've had these dreams about this. And, and, you know, sometimes you take it good. Sometimes you take it bad. And I just said, dude, I love you. Like, you know, I gave him a hug and stuff and saying sorry goes a long way. I had to do the same thing with my own brother. My brother left the church before we did. A long, probably five years before yeah, we did? Yeah, probably four, five years. And when he was going through it, I was I was not compassionate. And then we started having the same issues, and we took them out to lunch. And we said, I'm "Sorry, we are so sorry. Like, We didn't realize how lonely it was. And looking back, we thought, oh, my gosh, they must have felt so alone going through this. And, and now, it's, it's helped our relationship, I feel like, a lot with them because, again, a sincere, a sincere sorry goes a long way because people don't do that enough and admit that they're wrong, even if they don't agree with you. How do you guys feel now? Do you still feel lonely? Are you on this miserable? Because, you know, they say you leave. <laughs> no. You're going to live this miserable life. No, honestly. like So, uh, like, here's, I think, like, when we're talking about stages and grief. Yes. Right? Yep. So when it comes to the church, for me, it was very different, obviously, than what we went through losing Bridie. There were some similar things about it, but it was very different. But I was angry at first, and I think that's when I made some decisions that I wish I hadn't as far as how I treated people, how I reacted to comments, the triggers that were constantly going off in my head all the time. I was so angry because to me, what we went through, I felt lied to, I felt betrayed, I felt all these awful things, right? So I was mad. Then I went through the, I want to tell everybody, everybody should know all of this. This isn't fair. I didn't know, so everyone should know. That's not the right approach either because now I'm losing people. So the question was, what do you feel? I'm getting there. Okay, I was just making sure you so remember I'm, what I'm the actual question was. There. And I want to go through that with the stages where you were angry. Also, you're still thinking how you used to, I mean, me personally, like, I get angry and then I'm like, oh, but I am triggered to think a different way because, and I'm trying to think a new way and it's so hard because I'm battling back and forth. Like I can see. I wish they could, everyone could see your hands right now. <laughs> her hands are like going that. nuts so around there's, her there's head. There's these steps and it's yes, been time. And yeah. I will say the more comfortable I am with my decision, which I would say at this point, I'm very comfortable with my decision because a couple of things, I've done a lot of research. So logically I'm good. I've done a lot of meditating. I've done a lot of just self awareness, self helps, all these things that are making me figure out me. Mm -hmm. It's not even just about religion, friends, family. It's about what, like you said, the core values. What do I believe? What do I care about? This is me. And the more I've gotten comfortable with that, the more I am so happy. Like, so, and you know, not to be like so cheesy, but happier than I've ever been as far as, am I still sad in life? Absolutely. Are there still days where I'm depressed? Yes. Mm -hmm. But I am very happy with who I am and what I've, I'm growing into, I guess, because I feel like I am, I'm constantly trying. Mm -hmm. It's like, there's still hard things and I, but I'm constantly trying to be better. That's the difference. It's not, you know, I've had things said to me recently about my character by people who love me and I love, but, um, it, even hearing harsh things about yourself, 
I know me. And I, I came home and I was like, you know what? It's not true. I know I'm a good person. I make mistakes and I say stupid things and I have snide remarks and I'm sarcastic <laughs> a lot. And that's just kind of me, but I like me. Yeah. And, and so the world different. Like, you am I, now. am I You're trying to be hurtful? No, you, not as how someone's telling you to view it. And I think I sometimes it. when people say things mm-hmm. to me, like, that <laughs> when people will say something, the therapist how, Matt or, just gave his wife a sweet. He sat there. He's like, "Wow, that was really profound. Man. That was <laughs> awesome." Job. Like you should do that more. So when someone says something to me that's hurtful to my character, I do try to like take it in. Like, is that true? And if it is, okay, maybe that's something I need to work on. If it's not, then you know what? Peace out. Mm-hmm. What that what you said didn't matter to me anymore. And that's like I said, a work in progress. What about I, you, Kev? So I would say. Um, you know, people that know us, I, I freaking adore my wife. Like, <laughs> she is, no, she is <laughs> like, no, for real. Like, I know we're the weird ones. Our <laughs> friends make fun of us. <laughs> no, for real. No, we know you're the ones not mess with, <laughs> but no, for real. She's, she's everything to me. So like this whole transition would not have been possible if she was not on board with me. I wouldn't have never done it. Um, not that she had any part of it cause I would have, I felt the way I felt, but she's that important to me. That being said, I feel like, again, our relationship is on a different level than it was before. And I don't think anyone that knows us would ever question the fact that we are happy with each other. If you do, you are really dumb. Okay. <laughs> they don't know you. Se- that's, secondly, that's I would say, um, it's not all roses, you know, it's like, the, my relationship with my family, part, certain members of my family have suffered a lot. And I wish that it was better. I don't know how to get it there, you know. Um, and I, I do. I, I love them. And that's hard, you know, with my extended family. When you have an extended family that is ultra-religious and you are not, it is not a comfortable place to be around, you don't feel loved. You feel, you know, and again, maybe I'm looking for that. But like for me, I just, I'm, I'm happy. Like I I am a happy person. Like, and I live my life searching for places where I know I will be happy and loved and can be me. Right. We kind of just already talked about that, but, um, yeah, I would say it, it took a while, though, to get there, and it's so freaking hard. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, to me, it's been worth it. I can't say that it's going to be worth it to everybody, you know, because it's not. And it's going to, you know, there's so many people that, you know, we're on this group of people that have, you know, left the church, and they talk about, like, you hear these stories, and it is so sad. It is so like I asked the question today on this group, like, hey, what's been the best thing for you about leaving the church and what's been the worst thing? The number one thing that people have been saying is when they left the church, they had so many friends inside the church. And as soon as they left, they all disappeared. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like we talked about our neighbors. They've been a lot of them have been great. Honestly, we have we do have great neighbors, but. It, it's still hard. You still don't fit in quite the same. No, yeah. and we don't. We, and it's and it's not their fault either. It's not yeah. their fault. It's not our fault. But guess what? We don't see him at church anymore. Yeah, we don't see him every Sunday. So you lose that connection. Mm-hmm. And that's it's for us. We found such a connection with other friends and other groups. So it's fine. But what if you don't have that? 
What if you don't have a connection anywhere and that was your connection? It's really hard. What if your spouse is not on the same page as you? Again, that would be, you're more important to me than that. I just think, I, I guess my biggest reason I even wanted to do this podcast today is I want people to, for one, your, your family, your relationships are so much more important than your political views, than your religion, Mm -hmm. than those, you, that love should be more important. Make it more important. We need to, and something I feel like we're kind of working on is finding some more commonalities between these people, these family members who have nothing to do with religion. Because obviously we don't, that doesn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. And then another thing, just I think people need to be really aware that this is hard. And you know what? It's not just hard on us. It was hard on our families. Probably still is. It's hard on our parents. For sure. You know, so we need to be kinder to each other. You know, and when you say kinder, here's one thing I will say, and this goes on both sides. Again, you know, trying to keep, it you know, keep it neutral. Where if if you're trying to love someone, don't have it be conditional. You know, don't like it, it's so easy to to fa- like see when someone is faking that like they're okay with you. Just love them, you know, like love them for who they are. Don't try to be having an agenda. Well, they're going to come back. It's like, just or love them. Don't love them. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like if, if it, if if it doesn't do work that, on both sides, like if someone can't accept me for me, I, okay, I'm sorry. That, yes. that sucks. But don't get mad at me for both, not coming around. Exactly. When why should I don't we both this? be doing this awkward thing? Let's just end it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Let it go. Let it go. That's like, I'm not going to agree completely with that. <laughs> I, I wholeheartedly agree with that 100%. Sure. Stamp of approval. He's the one who taught me. <laughs> well, though you, yeah, your sorry. relationships, like they change. I, they, they <laughs> stop. We're sharing a microphone. <laughs> Guess who's winning? <laughs> no, you just change and you grow differently. And I will say my values have grown differently from others. And I've had to make big changes and get, People out of my life that I didn't feel like were good energy and like and somehow we're still here. <laughs> you guys made the cut. <laughs> I mean, you were really low on the podium, but <laughs> no, I just think you have to, and I think that even involves family. I hate saying it; it hurts. But like, if they are toxic, why are they in your life on both sides? Like in religion, you know, not in religion. Here's one thing I would say about that, though, with family. With the toxic, you know, like this is one thing that me and Bethany are actually working on right now is sometimes there's passive aggressive statements that are made. And our thought is we do want to work on a relationship with our family where when something is said, instead of doing what we hate when people do to us, which is talk about us and not to us, our goal is to make it now when something is said, stopping in the moment and just saying, hey, I just want to talk about this for a second you just said this and i took it like this is this how you meant that or this is the way it came across to me you know we're just telling someone like that was that was rude that was yeah that hurt my feelings yeah Yeah, and that's hard to do but honestly if you have one of those relationships where you do want to work on it but you don't understand like how to move forward i think typically it's because communication is the biggest problem. You're not communicating what the issue is. You're trying to skirt it underneath Mm -hmm. the bed and just hoping it's going to go away. And it will never go away if you don't address it Mm -hmm. ever. 100%.
uh, um, I want to back th- a little bit to one thing something somebody said. I can't remember. My mind's been stuck on it for a while. <laughs> because I think it's really important and semi-controversial, and so I want to say it. Oh, boy. Yes. <laughs> uh, and and if, if you don't agree with this, that's fine. Your worthiness, my worthiness, is not conditional. I am worthy of everyone's love, including my own, unconditionally. If you don't believe that, get the hell out of my life. And if you look at me and say, you need to do this or be this or look like that or sound like this or say this or do that in order for me to have you in my life, like to be worthy of our relationship. Your presence. <laughs> get out. Like, I don't, I, don't, I don't need you. And I think that that is something, and especially the word worthiness, right? Like worthiness is, is a very loaded, religiously fundamental word that we are asked constantly, are you worthy? The answer to that question is always yes. Hell yes. <laughs> always. Hell yes. There's, there's no sick. condition upon which anyone's worthiness is predicated. And to insinuate otherwise, I think, is shaming and wrong and hurtful and, and divisive. And I think that that separates human beings way more than we, than we realize. And so... As we look at family members and friends and understanding and acceptance and belonging and all these things we've talked about, if we could just understand that, like, you know, I love me because I'm me. And I, I'm I, awesome. I, I, don't, I don't need to be anything else, right? Like, gay, straight, black, white, all these things. Like, how, how long is it going to take human beings for us to stop looking at each other and saying, oh, you're, you don't look like me or sound like me or do the things that I do, and so you're unworthy. Freaking ridiculous. It's insane. And we keep doing it and asking like, God, why is everybody killing themselves? Why are we so unhappy? Why is this nation falling apart? Why are we polarizing ourselves more and more? Why is there a drug addiction? Why is there so much addiction? Because yeah. I need a job. Why is there? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's because we've put conditions on worthiness. And I start to buy into that, and, and my number one problem that I deal with on a daily basis in working with clients is people believe they're unworthy of being loved. And that's the definition of shame, believing you're unworthy of love and belonging. And if we can just accept the fundamental truth, and you, you can try and argue this, but sorry, it's a truth. Worthiness has no conditions. And if you can live that and accept that, and just I thought it was going to be way more it's controversial awesome. than that. I actually love that. I've never thought of that that way. Well, that, is, that, is that really controversial? If anyone doesn't agree with that, then yeah. that's really weird, honestly. Right. <laughs> it, it, it seems like that should not be controversial. Right. However, but yet, it is. for us to get to certain yeah. aspects of religions or to get to certain levels, or certain, you have to yeah. be worthy. worthy. Because what people, what dogma has done to people is. It has created uh, a synonymity. It's basically exchanged the word worthy with perfect. And if I am constantly seeking perfectionism in order for me to be enough and good enough, then I'm going to constantly miss the mark and feel that I'm unworthy and therefore I don't belong, therefore I am not loved and I'm lonely and I'm sad and I, I I I don't need to be here. And I take me, I take myself out. And that's, that's, the one-two punch of why people kill themselves. 
and why people relapse on drugs and why families are shredded and why our country is so divisive. Something too, I was going to say is, um, when you're talking about, I don't, I, maybe it's just what we've been talking about in general. A lot of people, when you have issues with someone or what they think or how they feel or what they're doing, it's it's out of, a lot of it's out of fear. Mm -hmm. We are fearful of, you know, I, constantly have throughout my life heard things like, well, if this happens, then this is going to happen. And if this law gets passed, then this will happen. And it's, it's all out of fear. And the best way to get over fear is to step, put yourself in front of it. Mm -hmm. Like the closer you are to someone and knowing who they are, the less fearful it is. There's a Brene, a Brene Brown quote that goes with that. And I can't think of it, but I know there's, it's probably the, um, (laughs) gosh, who was it? It was one of the presidents, Thomas Jefferson. Remember her? She quotes his about oh, getting daring, in the ring. The daring greatly quote. Yeah. Daring man, greatly. It, it's the man in the arena quote. Yeah. The man in the arena. Anyways, yeah, okay. but if people can start to, and she talks a lot about just the closer you are to something, the less fearful you are. That's cool. So put if you're scared of someone or something, learn about them. Get closer. It's really hard to hate someone up close. Connect. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's weird. Or if you're mad at someone, anybody in your family, it's really hard to be mad at someone up close. Yes. So much easier over Facebook, across (laughs) the internet, when no one sees you, get up close. Get close and personal, and you learn a lot more about people, and you learn to love a lot more people. I love it. Do you guys want to hear the man in the arena quote? It's my favorite (laughs) quote. I actually have it on my phone, too. It's fantastic. Um, I'm going to get this tattooed across my entire chest. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of long. With with the skull? (laughs) From from Will? Okay, it's... it's, (laughs) It starts... um, It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood. Who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Love it. That's good. Yeah, it's my favorite quote, because it talks about getting in the ring, doing what's, you know, be, be you and you're going to fail, but the people, the critics that are constantly rude to you and saying things, they're worthless. They're not in the arena. Yeah. It doesn't matter. They're the faceless it. masses watching. They're onlookers. They don't belong in the arena with you. Mm-hmm. Keep them there. If they say, for you to be worthy and, and to be in this arena, you need to be this and this and that and this and that. You're gone. They don't belong. So one thing that I, I thought of when you guys were talking about this was with with religion, and this is kind of something that I've said with, with me, right? I, I feel as though I don't, I don't care what anyone is with their religion. I really don't as long as they don't care where I'm at, religion should be a self journey. It has nothing to do where everyone else is at. It's all about you and your own journey. Right. I think the problem we have is when people try to do that, you can feel it, you can sense it. 
And it's, it's like we have uh, some partners at our CrossFit, Daniel and Nat. They are both LDS, and I love them both. I have never felt judged by them. I feel like they love me for who I feel like I belong. And it's because they love me for who I am. I love them for who they are. It's not even a question. It's not an issue. And that's where I feel like we need to get to is where religion is, is your own journey. That's it. Why are we getting so caught up in what, Brittany, what do you think? What do, <laughs> well, I will say I agree with you 100% on that because I remember a few years ago um, when you guys did leave the church and Matt and I were still going to church, I asked you a very, very personal question, and you were very open about it, and you were very respectful. Do you remember that? Um, yeah. Yeah. I because do, no one ever asked. No, us. it was yeah. very <laughs> shocking. No, we, I think we talked for like two hours. That no, night we did. Too. Yeah, because you, you asked a question that I wished my friends and my family would mm-hmm. ask me. And when you asked me that question, I was I was nervous to say it because as I told why, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. just barely that yeah. I've lost friendships over it. Mm-hmm. And you said, "Why did you leave the church?" Mm-hmm. And I said, "Do you really want me to answer that?" And, and you said, said yeah, yes. I do. Mm-hmm. And I told you my mm-hmm. condensed version because yes. I learned <laughs> that I don't go and spit yeah. it all out. Um, but I feel like that was like a turning point in mm-hmm. our relationship Yeah. Um, because you heard what I had to say and it didn't matter. Nope. You guys loved us because... Mm-hmm. And it didn't change It didn't view. change yeah. anything, nope. you know? It may have opened up your eyes to a few things that you didn't know before, um, but the intent there was just when, when just I tell someone connection, yeah, I was the, just, yeah, yeah for I, sure. Because yeah. yeah, my connection with you guys, if I had to hold back that whole part of my life mm-hmm. would never be on the level it is today. Mm-hmm. No I way. Agree. Cause yeah. that was a lot of pain that I went through. Well, and the thing, and the thing you were talking about before was the opposite of connection, which is comparison or competition. And when I'm constantly comparing to other people, I'm incapable of connecting with them. Because we have to be on different playing fields. I have to be below or above you. But connection is all about being on the same level. And so the thing that, that I, I love that you bring up is, is if I'm looking at other people, where are they at compared to where I'm at rather than just I'm at where I'm at. The thing you're saying is religion should be this self journey of finding who you are, right? I need to find my strength. TM, right? <laughs> <laughs> I need, to find my strength within, not without. I can't look outside of me and be like, oh, that's the thing that's going to make me better. No, I make me enough. And religion gives that to a lot of people. You can find that within religion. For sure. You yeah. can. You can find that within many different religions. I religion mean, makes a lot of people better people. Yeah. It does. And, and it's it's and it, we can even take the word religion out of it and just say spiritual practices are the thing that connect people to themselves. Now, it's where you start to brand a spiritual practice that it becomes a religion, right? It's a brand, essentially, mm-hmm. is what we're doing. And if you remove the brand, spiritual practices, I mean, that's one of the fundamental parts of humanness. I mean, biologically, psychologically, physically, and spiritually, we exist. There's four components to the human. And within those four components, you have to find how you exist in the world. And if there's something greater to you and that spiritual part of you is a part of your humanness. And if we neglect that part of us or overindulge that part of us, the balance is out of whack. And religion 
spiritual practice can be this wonderful, amazing, self-fulfilling journey that, um, that, that can be very individualized. It doesn't have to be one size fits all. It shouldn't be. And it's not. And believing that it is, is the problem. Yes. And I think with people, like you said, it is, it does make a lot of people happy. If it makes you happy, then that's great. Stay in it. Keep doing it. Don't assume it makes everyone happy. Not even, I wouldn't even say if it makes you happy, if it makes you a better version of what you are, I think that it fits you. But I just happiness can be, but the biggest thing is don't assume Mm -hmm. it's right or good or healthy for everybody and do not push it on everybody. As just love people for who they are, for their own journey, and there won't be so many. It will get rid of some of the gaps, some of the wedges that are coming between people because of it. Boom. Loved it. <laughs> Loved it. Okay. Well, that was fun. We'll. Awesome. We'll. I feel like we could talk for like two more hours. We could. We are. Yeah, we're like an hour and a half. <laughs> so what's what's the takeaway? Yeah, what? let's do our takeaways. Bring it, dude. You oh, I have to start. Dang. Right? Yeah. 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 No, my takeaway is communication is everything in this. And if you want a connection with someone, you have to be willing to go to places sometimes that you're not comfortable with. And you need to ask questions that are hard to hear sometimes because that's what someone needs. It would be like if we compared this to another part of life, it would be like, say, you're your sister or brother has their spouse die, but you're uncomfortable talking to them about that. So you just act like it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Obviously they're not exactly the same, right? But they are comparable. This comes from someone that has lost a child and lost their faith in a religion. It is painful. And so when you have people that know about it, but they don't talk to you about it, it just puts this wedge and you feel like they don't care about you and they don't love you. If you love somebody, go through hell for them sometimes and just love them through it even if you don't agree with them. You don't have to agree with them, but you do have to love them and that love should be unconditional. Boom. Love it. <laughs> okay, so Let's my go. thing, I would say my thing is about the same thing, my takeaway. Mm-hmm. Um, I recently, through reading stuff, learned, I always thought empathy meant that you had to go through the same thing as someone else. And I'm learning that's not necessarily true. Empathy is sitting with someone. Just sitting, listening, hearing, saying, ah, that sucks, I'm sorry. You know, it doesn't have to be, I'm going to fix you. Oh, you. this is really hard for you. Well, no, I'm going to fix you. Let me give you some ideas. Let me help you. Let me, no. Sit there, listen, and don't go tell everyone else because I be feel like friend. everybody's story is their story. Let them tell it. Don't be the one to share it. And, the, and a key component of empathy, there's actually four, huh? <laughs> is uh, withholding judgment. Yes, you yes. cannot judge and be empathic. It's impossible. Your turn. I like that. It's good, huh? Yeah, I love it. Um, I think mine goes along with Kevin's. Just, if you have a question, just ask. If it's awkward, ask. <laughs> like, it's just to the, like, I don't know, connection. It is. You start talking to someone, you'll find this connection. Doing the awkward eggshell thing, that's not connecting, that's not unconditional loving. I think that's my takeaway. Ask questions. Well, it's, yeah, it's interesting. We talked about our friendships that we have with our group. You know, 
with all of us, I feel like there's been multiple times like us dudes will sit there and be bawling in front of each other, right? <laughs> That's not a very manly thing to do, but there's something about that where you can see me at my low point. You don't judge me. You're there with me, right? Mm-hmm. That's power. And that's what I have felt in these last few years. I have connected with people at a whole nother level because of what we've gone through and understanding that like someone that's willing to be there with me, that connection is like ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I have to correct myself. I said there's four components. I said physical twice. Biological, <laughs> psychological. I've been thinking about this the whole time. I'm like, I gotta make sure I forget. Biological, psychological, social, and spiritual. Okay. Some, someone was like, that Matt dude, Quackenbush, he's a kook. I'm he gonna said, have, I'm going to have somebody listen to this and be like, oh, that guy doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> There's my self judgment. What a quack. That's a quack. Um, okay. My takeaway is holy shit, people. Just love each other, man. Like, like, we are born to love, and God is love, and we can define that in a million different ways if we want to, but the real answer is open your heart up to people, accept them as they are, and you will find that it's much easier to accept yourself as you are too. Let's try to do that more, and we want to hear your feedback, guys. Yes, if you have any thoughts on this podcast or any things we didn't talk about that maybe are important to you or if you have a story, I mean, I feel like we, sometimes I feel bad because I feel like it's a constant like, well, I don't know, leaving a religion. We've talked, not, not to this extent. But just yeah, the, the last three weeks have been the reciprocation similar. of what's or what's happened yeah. because of it. Um, you know, that's not the, all this is about. We're just trying to help you find strength and find ways through situations. And these are the ones we know. This is well, and this one to me, this is a huge deal. This is something that everyone is going to deal with. I feel like at some point have or will deal with where maybe religion up t- hasn't been a big deal to you. But at some point, I'm telling you, you go through life and you're like, wow, mm-hmm. wh- what is this all about? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It's and a core so, component to being human. Yeah. 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 So if you have questions, thoughts, you know, we love your feedback. It actually helps us a lot to decide what to talk about next and how to handle some things. So keep it up, people. Yes. Thank you. Well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something from it. Again, we want to hear your feedback. Um, just know what you think. Where are you at in your spiritual journey? What's it like for you? And um, also, if you have a chance, please go leave us a five-star review on the Apple Podcast app, which is the best place to do it as well. You can do it on Spotify and all these other places, but Apple Podcasts is kind of where it's at. So if you can go, if you download through iTunes or you have the podcast app or even through Spotify, just leave a review, five stars, and tell us what you think. That helps us immensely get the word out. Share this with your friends. If you know people who are struggling with their own faith, faith crisis right now and you feel like this would help them, share it with them. I mean, get the word out. We're trying to help as many people as we can, and it's it's working. We have thousands and thousands of people listening to this. It's fantastic. So we're really excited about it. And if you guys are going through a faith crisis and you need somebody to talk to about it, or um, you need a therapist and you're in the Utah County, Salt Lake area, I could be that guy for you. 
I do uh, private practice therapy on the regular, and I would love to work with you if that's something you're interested in. So just reach out to us through the Finding Strength uh, Facebook or Instagram, and Brindy will get you in touch with me. Again, thanks for listening, guys. Hope you enjoyed it.